Hey, Richard Fellowship. If you don't know me, my name is Onem Okatle. I get the privilege of serving as one of the pastors at Rooted Fellowship. I bring you greetings from my home to yours. Now, this is not first prize. I would rather have us gathered together, praying together, singing together, having God's word poured over us together in one location. But for the foreseeable future, we will be the church scattered. Now, it's important to know this. That because we are now a scattered people does not mean that we are no longer the church. The church is not a building. The church is not a place. The church is a people. And so because of this beautiful truth, we will continue to preach the good news of Jesus. We'll continue to share this good news with others. We want to continue to serve and pray for one another, even if it means doing so via technology. Now we're going to continue in our sermon series that we've titled, We Are. We're in week four of this five-part series. And we've been looking at our humanity. The fact that this side of heaven, we are a broken and imperfect people. And not only that, we live in a broken and imperfect world. And so the question is, how are we to navigate through all of that? As it has a tremendous impact on us, how are we to posture our lives What we are experiencing right now with the COVID-19 pandemic is a reality of that. This week alone, I have moved from feeling peace to being incredibly anxious. And yet as a child of God, how am I to handle myself? How am I to, to lead my family? How am I to engage with others? And so this morning, we're going to be looking at a portion of scripture where God speaks to his people who are in a similar situation. They're in this place of uncertainty. They're filled with anxiety. They are now fearful. And yet God says to them, do not fear. My hope is at the end of this. Let me give you the end at the beginning. My hope is that when we come to the end of our time, That when fear comes knocking at the door of your heart, whether it's a loud banging knock or a silent one, that we would be able to lean into the sound of that knocking, that we would experience it and feel it, but that we would be able to then turn around and say, Jesus, there's someone looking for you. And that we would say this because we know that Jesus has conquered death and sin, and because he has conquered death and sin, then he has conquered your fear. And so if you have a Bible, meet me in Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43 from verses 1 to 7, but we'll be focusing on the first two this morning. And so I'm going to read this portion of scripture, and then I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you, ask that you pray for me, that God would do something more powerful than we could ever imagine right here in this very moment. And so Isaiah chapter 43, from verse 1, hear these words of our Father. Now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters, and when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire, and the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Seba in your place, because you are precious in my sight and honored, and I love you. 
I will give people in exchange for you and nations instead of you. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bring your descendants from the east and gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. And to the south, do not hold them back. Bring my sons from far away and my daughters from the ends of the earth. For everyone who bears my name and is created for my glory, I have formed them. Indeed, I have made them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask you that you would continue to make yourself known to us. Open up our hearts. Let us see you for who you are. Lord, would you take a hold of our fear and would you get us to see that it too has been nailed to the cross. And so because of that, we can trust you. And so lead us in this time, Holy Spirit. Let your word come alive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now our passage today in Isaiah it is the, the prophet Isaiah writing to the people of God, the nation of Israel, addressing their fear, particularly their fear of abandonment, abandonment from God. Israel was in exile in Babylon at this particular moment, and they were afraid, afraid that God had abandoned them. Afraid that he had abandoned them as a people, as his people. In fact, we're told about the state of their condition in Isaiah 42, verse 22. It tells us that, that these people had been robbed, plundered, enslaved, imprisoned, and trapped. That they were fair game for anyone. They had no one to protect them and no one to take them back home. Now, let's be clear. Uh, Israel is no innocent party. They, they were in this particular situation because of their disobedience, because of their sin, that they had no longer listened to God. And so God himself had driven the nation of Israel to this particular place. And he did this in order to humble them, in order for, for them to see how bad the situation was. That they would turn back to God, that they would leave sin behind. And follow God. But even before God took them to this place, in his grace, he promised to them that one day he would rescue them. That one day their pain and turmoil would be over. That their sins would be paid for. We see this in Isaiah 40 verse 2. That one day he would bring them home. To a new Israel. And so, friends, this, this is what we long for as well. We wait for that day when God would bring us home. Now, sometimes this wait can seem very, very long. Sometimes the challenges of life in this broken and sinful world can seem as if God has forgotten us, that God has abandoned us, that he has left us to fend for our own. It's in seasons when maybe the, the surgery seems that it's not healing. Or maybe the loneliness just doesn't get removed. Or maybe the bad habits just continue over and over and over again. Maybe it's in seasons when that depression just doesn't want to go away. 
No matter how many times you pray, no matter how many times you read his word, you find yourself in the same situation. And so it leaves us looking to the heavens and wondering, has God abandoned us? Has he left us? Does he still love us? Maybe we think that this time we've messed up so badly that he's just gone, I'm done with you. Now, we may not say that, but if we did a deep search of our hearts, we would realize that we believe that. The nation of Israel believed that. That in their state of exile, that God had abandoned them. But now, oh, but now, in the face of our fears, in the face of our anxiety, our, our uncertainty, whether it's COVID-19 or whatever it is that you were going through before this pandemic that now you have just added to the COVID-19 issue, in the mists of our fear, here's what God says. The one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear. Do not fear, God says. Because of God's salvation promises, you don't have to be afraid anymore. God is not going to abandon you, even in your sin. Our passage today will show us three promises that are anchored in our salvation that are intended to comfort us. They're, they're intended to encourage us, especially in moments when we are tempted to believe that God has abandoned us. And so let's jump in. Promise number one. Do not fear, says our God. Why? Because I have redeemed you. You, you don't have to be afraid anymore. You don't have to panic and wonder if God has abandoned us. Even in our sin, he will not leave us. Why? Because he says here to the nation of Israel, I will redeem you. For us who are on this side of the cross, we can say he has redeemed us. Now this word redeem, redemption, is an incredibly powerful word. It's a word that Paul the Apostle loved to use in a lot of his New Testament writings. I believe it's a word that, that Paul only fully understood after coming to Christ. That before, even as an expert scholar in the Old Testament scriptures, he just didn't quite understand this word redeem. But after crossing the line of faith, after experiencing the grace that is found in Jesus, he now feels the full weight and meaning of redemption. See, the the definition of redemption in the biblical sense means the payment of a price to deliver someone. The purchase of a slave. You see, this definition, I believe, has lost its meaning today because we see ourselves as free people. But we aren't. Definitely not spiritually. If we are separated from the love of Christ, we are slaves. We are slaves to sin. That the Bible tells us over and over and over again that humanity is a slave to sin. And so this kind of redemption that God proclaims is, is the kind that, that pays for a family member to get out of debt. To get out of prison. And here, sin is being compared to this this 
impossible financial debt that you can never pay back. Regardless of how hard you work, you can never pay it back. And yet God is saying to the people of Israel, he's saying to us, because you are part of my family, I've got you. I've covered this. I've redeemed you. In fact, to to the nation of Israel, God says, I have prepaid your release. Verse 1 declares their future redemption in the perfect past tense. It's what clever theological minds like to refer to as the prophetic perfect, which is a Uh, literacy technique used in the Bible that describes future events uh, that are so certain to happen that they are referred to in the past tense as if they've already happened. This means that it is as good as done. It is signed, sealed, and delivered. That when God says it, it is a sure thing. I have paid a huge price in exchange for you. That's what God is saying. I have paid a huge, tremendous price for you. This is what we refer to as the great exchange. Now, permit me to off-ramp here real quick. We'll get back uh, to where we're going in a moment. But I want us to know this about our redemption. Our redemption is found in our forgiveness. That you cannot separate our redemption from our forgiveness. And I want us to also know that all forgiveness is costly. All forgiveness is costly. Tim Keller says this, God's grace and forgiveness, while free to the recipient, are always costly for the giver. From the earliest parts of the Bible, it was understood that God could not forgive without sacrifice. This is why the writer of Hebrews says that there can be no forgiveness without the shedding of blood. So Tim goes on to say, no one who is seriously wronged can just forgive the perpetrator. But when you forgive, that means you absorb the loss and the debt. You bear it yourself. All forgiveness, all forgiveness is therefore costly. But we should know this. That God has an infinite wealth of grace. Though the cost is high, our God has an infinite wealth of grace. Of grace, that nothing is beyond his grace. Nothing that we have done is beyond his grace. That that you, you cannot outrun the grace of God. No amount of shame, no amount of guilt, no matter what people say about you or to you, that there is nothing that you can do that can outrun the grace of God. He is infinitely wealthy with grace. And he loves to pour it out on us. See, the nation of Israel had no idea what was in store for them. They had no idea what was in store for them. But we do. This side of heaven, we do. We know that God exchanged one special person for us. That we are so precious to him, that he loves us so much, that he says in verse 4, that he paid the biggest ransom he could ever pay. He exchanged his son for us. 
This is why Paul writes in Romans 8 verse 32, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? That he has given us his most valuable possession, his son, Jesus Christ. Why then would he withhold anything from us? So we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to fear. Because we have been redeemed. That if you are in Christ, you have been redeemed. That you are loved more than you could ever imagine. And we know this because of the finished work of Jesus. That we look to the cross and see all that Christ has done for us. That we have been redeemed. And so because we've been redeemed, God will not leave us. He will not forsake us. Promise number two. Do not be afraid because I have called you by name. I, God, have called you by your name. You are mine. Out of all the sinful people God could have possibly chosen for redemption, God picked you. He picked me. And he called you by name. One by one, God is calling his children out of spiritual exile, out of spiritual depravity, out of darkness and hopelessness. And he's calling us onto a journey, a journey back home to everlasting joy. I want us to think about that for a moment. Don't don't go over this too quickly. That God chose you. And right now, he, he is calling you by name. He is saying, come home, and that you are mine. That we find ourselves controlled by fear, running in all sorts of directions, panicking. And he calls us by name, and he says, come home. You don't belong to the panic. You don't belong to the chaos. You belong to me. You are mine. And our arrival, as he calls us home, our arrival is certain because in verse 7 we see not only that we are called by our own names, but we are called by the very name of God. Verse 7 of Isaiah 43 says, Everyone who bears my name and and is created for my glory, I have formed them. Indeed, I have made them. We are called by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. We bear his name as the church. We are his bride and he is our bridegroom. And what a name it is. The name of Jesus. What a name it is. And so we are called by that name. Hence, we are called Christians. We are the church. And so do not let fear tell you otherwise. See, fear will try to call you by some other name. It will whisper in your ear and say that this is who you are. That you belong to someone else or something else. But we need to be reminded that we belong to God. I created you. I formed you. I redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. In other words, what matters most about you is not what you deserve. But whose you are. Pastor Raphael Mkandla, Zimbabwean-born, now pastor in America, says this. In times of crisis, we need to remember who we are and whose we are. In Christ, we are blessed beyond measure. What powerful words. 
We need to be reminded of who we are and whose we are. That we belong to God. This couldn't be more truer now and today. God has called you by your name. You are not forgotten. He is leading you home. So friends, do not be afraid. Our destination is certain. Our arrival is certain. That whatever it is that we experience, we know where we're going. We know how the story ends. It's us being in the very presence, the perfect presence, the beautiful presence of our Lord and Savior. He has called you by name. You are his. But let me land the plane with the third and final promise. As we try to navigate through these uncertain times, as fear knocks at the door of our hearts, God calls us to not be afraid. Why? He says, because I am with you. Do not be afraid because I am with you. Knowing that we are on a journey home to a place where there will be no fear, no anxiety, no worry, no panic, but only peace and joy. This can take away fear. Knowing this can, can take away fear, but, but not completely. But not completely. It doesn't remove all of it this side of heaven. That we are confronted by it every single day. Hence, the necessity for promise number three. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. You see, even though we are going home, we know our destination, our arrival is certain. Our journey is a long and hazardous one. Our journey may have many potholes and many punctures and sometimes uh, some smash and grabs. And these things are designed to slow down our progress. Uh, they're, they're meant to paralyze us. But God says to us in verse 2 of Isaiah 43, I will be with you when you pass through the waters and when you pass through the rivers. They will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through the fire and the flame will not burn you. See, God doesn't promise that there won't be floods or fires. He doesn't make that promise to us. But rather, he says, when you go through them, when you experience them, I will hold them back from utterly destroying you. Just like he did for the people of Israel when they passed out of Egypt and through the Red Sea so that they could cross over to the promised land. See, the, the overwhelming floods of your own struggle will not wash you away. They, they will spray you. They will soak you. They will even freeze you. They will threaten to drown you. But they will not wash you away. Instead, they will wash away your enemies. Just like Pharaoh and his whole, his whole army was washed away. They will not drown you. That's what the Lord says. They, they will not drown you. For I will be with you to hold back the floodwaters. Even now in this moment, he will hold back the floodwaters. Maybe you're experiencing some fire. And so when you pass through the fire, 
God says you will not be burnt. You will sweat. You will grow weary. You may even faint. But the smoke will not overcome you. The flames will not destroy you. Why? Because God is with you. He is with us. Friends, we have some waters and flames ahead of us. Many of these next few weeks will feel like that. But rest assured, for those who are in Christ, you are not alone. You are not alone. God is with you. He's with you every step of the way. And so I ask you this. Do you have times when God seems far away? Are you sometimes afraid that maybe he has abandoned you? Maybe these are some of the questions that you've been asking in this particular season. Where is God? Where is God in all of this? Why why do I not experience him, his closeness, his presence, his power? Where is he? Has he abandoned us? Maybe you are believing that he's left you to struggle all alone. If you're asking yourself these questions, then, then I ask that maybe you would ponder on these two. Has God redeemed you? Has God redeemed you? Has he called you by name? Has he called you by name? And and so if you have heard him call your name, then know this, he continues to call your name. And if you have accepted his redemptive hand through Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, then you have no need to be afraid. You have no need to be afraid because God is with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6. He is with you always, even to the end of the age. Matthew 28 verse 20. And so even as we experience this chaos, as we experience this calamity, this season of uncertainty, I don't know, I don't know what is on the end of our 21 days. I don't know how much impact this is going to have on our nation, on our people, on our economy. I have no idea. But what I do know is this. That if you are a child of God, you do not need to be afraid. Because God has redeemed you. You do not need to be afraid because he has called you by your name. You do not need to be afraid because God is with you. God is with us. And we know how the story ends. That one day we will celebrate together. My prayer is that we would celebrate in the near future when we gather together in our location. But we also know that one day we will stand before the throne of God with all the people of God throughout history We will celebrate. We will celebrate all that he has done for us. And we will talk about our challenges, our trials and our tribulations. But we'll also be able to speak about how the gospel, the golden thread that runs through all of it was there with us every single step of the way. And we are loved more than we could ever imagine. And so take heart. Be encouraged. Be comforted. Our God is still seated on his throne. And fully in control. And so because of that, we trust him. And so maybe if you're listening to this or or watching this, and you're still 
covered in fear. You're still anxious. You're still worried. And you know that you have not taken that step towards Jesus. I'm going to ask that you pause for a moment and you just simply say to God, I'm going to stop running to all these different things, hoping to find life and meaning. in them. I'm going to stop running to these things, hoping that they will protect me, that they will sustain me. They cannot. Only you can, God. And so therefore, I surrender my life to you. Simply pray that. Knowing that God hears you and that he longs to be in a relationship with you. And so I'm going to pray that for you. And I'm going to pray that for those who are in Christ, for those who continue to walk with Jesus. I'm going to pray that we would feel his presence and his power in this moment. That we would trust in him. And so, Father, I come now asking that you would do this very thing. That you would meet us where we are. That you would comfort our hearts. Lord, I pray for those who don't know you. Maybe are hearing this for the first time, that God, you are with us, that you redeem us. Lord, I pray that they would be still enough to hear you call their name. Would you save many, Lord Jesus? Lord, I pray for the church, that we would be salt and light in this season, that we would be the ones giving hope to those who don't have it. Help us to encourage others, but to do so, let us be encouraged. Lord, we are in desperate need of a Savior. 